has this word content. It refers to being sufficient in oneself. But in reality, that's what the heart of the Greek word means, to be sufficient within yourself. But he wasn't a guy who was saying, I'm self-sufficient. Paul was saying, I'm Christ-sufficient, that I've found my sufficiency in Christ. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Finishing out our study in the book of Philippians, and I've enjoyed going through this passage of Scripture with you. Paul closes out his letter. He's addressing the gift that he had received through the hands of Epaphroditus. And their gift caused Paul to teach not only about giving, but also about the contentment that he had learned as a follower of Christ. So as I was looking at chapter 4 a few weeks ago and thinking about how I would divide up this chapter, it has this natural break as he has this transition from kind of a wrapping up of the letter. But the result of this letter came as a result of this gift that was given to him. He had much to say to the church in Corinth, a lot to express about the joy and the rejoicing, as we learned last week, I believe it was some 12 times in 10 verses, where he referred to just the word rejoice or rejoiced, as we see in verse 10. This is a letter of joy that he's sending back. And here we find one of the reasons for Paul's rejoicing was in a gift that was given to him. Now, I know that we don't do a lot of uh, pushing on tithing or giving, really don't talk a lot about it from the pulpit, but you're going to hear it today because we're here in Scripture where Paul is writing about the gift that he had received. And he's also writing about something that he had learned. He says it twice, I have learned And some things that he had learned, that of contentment. And so the gift and the giver, as we look at today, those things which Paul has learned. I know when we deal with stewardship, as it's referred to in church life, I remember hearing that word throughout my life growing up in church, that we need to be good stewards of God's gifts to us. And, And we talk about stewardship. And it really means that it refers to an individual who manages somebody else's properties, finances, or a household for someone else. And so the thought behind stewardship in church life is that God has given us all the blessings that we have. 
We're managing the gifts of God that he has given to us in our hands. And it's how we use those gifts. What do we do with those gifts? Do we use them for ourselves? And, and granted, we have a right to provide, to feed our families and to house ourselves in that way and to use these gifts in that way. But also there is this thought of giving back to the Lord those gifts which he has given to us. And, and this is a lesson. It's a study on, on giving back and, and Paul here rejoicing in the gifts that have been given to him. I had learned about tithing, about giving to the church. Well, as a child, I remember we used to get a whole dollar a week allowance. That might be a lot for some, and it was a lot for us back then. We had a especially great bonus every month as children growing up. Our parents, at the end of the month, would give us an additional $5. So every week, $1. And then at the end of the month, we'd get 6 And that was big bucks, man. I could take my buddies out to, well, there's a place called Zippy's in Zion back in the day. And you'd get a Zuper Burger. Which, Zippy's, they don't exist anymore. They tried to franchise, but the owner wouldn't do it. And there is a Zippy's I know out in Schaumburg and stuff, not the same place, but they would have competed with Burger King, McDonald's, uh, any of those other restaurants, hand-making their french fries and such as they did. But I was taught early on that, you know, if the Lord gives us a dollar, we give a tenth back to him. And I was taught that lesson as a child, but it wasn't until I was 17 years old that my dad asked me, and I'd been working at Jewel for over a year, and he says, are you tithing on the income that you receive? And I was like, well, no. It's my money. That was the attitude, the heart that I had at that time. I was making more than a dollar a week at that time. And so that happens for a lot of people. You know, it's easy when we're doing our dollar a week to give our dime to the Lord, but it gets harder when those dollars begin to increase. And yet I took the challenge from my dad and began to tithe with the income that the Lord had given me, carried it into our marriage. We've been faithful. And I'm not saying that to brag. It's a lesson that I learned from my father, who learned the lesson himself right after he had his first heart surgery. He went back to work, the job that he had done before he had the heart surgery, he could no longer do. So he got reduced to a different job, a a desk job that earned less money. But it was during that time that my dad told my mom, I think we should start tithing to the Lord off our income. Now, it's interesting because my mom is the one that got our family into church in the first place. She was going to church before my dad went to church, but it was my dad who brought the family into this stewardship and and this tithing. My mom was very tight with the money that she received from dad. I mean, dad went to work, got his paycheck, gave it to my mom, and my mom dispersed the funds and took care of things and provided for things. And, And she was tight with the income. And this was like a challenge. What I could just picture someone who it's, you got to be kidding me. You could just got cut and pay. You were making $75 a week and now you're not even making that. And now you want to take the income that you're getting and give a tenth of that back to the church. This is not logical. And, and it isn't in our minds. It's not logical. And dad said, well, let's test it for a year. And my mom was telling me this story before her death because I I was trying to get stories out of her mom. Tell me stories. I want to know these things. 
And she goes, we tested it that year and we never stopped giving to the Lord. I'm so glad that they learned that lesson because they were able to pass that lesson on to me. And I hope in some ways, perhaps I'll challenge us as a church once again and and pass some of the lessons that I also learned, not only from my parents, but from the Lord through this portion of scripture. It really means a lot to me because there's this verse that keeps playing back in my head. Has for several years, it's found in verse 12 that says, I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. And I'll, I'll explain that when we get to it. But that portion of scripture, uh, the Lord used to teach me a lesson in giving. And I'll share that lesson with you uh, when we get down to uh, through verse 13 at this point. So in verse 10, and we'll read verses 10 through 13 to begin with. He says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so he's referring to a gift that has been given to him. He's been in prison, as I've said often, as we've been going through this letter for over four years. He's in Rome now. He's riding back to the church of Philippi there. And here we find that one of the reasons he's returning a letter is because they had sent an offering to him by the hands of Epaphroditus, as we learn in this passage in verse 18, that He is now rejoicing in the Lord because of this gift that has been given. But he also recognized, Paul says that he realized that their lack of support wasn't because they hadn't cared about him, but that they had cared but lacked opportunity. We don't know the reason of why they lacked opportunity, but we'll learn later that the Philippian believers, they supported Paul's ministry. It seemed for a while, and it could be simply because He had been a prisoner for four years. He had been on a journey from Jerusalem to Rome. We know that he was shipwrecked. He was on the Isle of Malta for a winter during that time of being shipwrecked. All this while he was a prisoner, spending two years from Jerusalem to Caesarea and then over to Rome. And then finally, as we close out the book of Acts, we leave Paul in Rome, but he's writing from Rome. And so they lacked opportunity. It could have been that The ship was lost at sea. We don't know where he's at. They didn't know how to get any funds to him. It could have been some other circumstances that caused them not to be able to give a gift at that time. But now the gift had been given again. It flourished again. And Paul rejoiced in the Lord over the gift. We'll learn later that it wasn't the gift that was given that caused his rejoicing. But for the gift itself, the sacrifice, the the fruit, he would say in verse 17, the fruit that abounds to your account, that this is an offering. Not only it came to Paul, but he saw it as an offering that was given to God through the hands of the church in Philippi. And it reminded me of, well, perhaps the little boy who had the five loaves and two fish, and he was willing to share with Jesus. And Jesus was able to feed a multitude. And sometimes we may lack the opportunity. Sometimes we may have the desire, but have it not. But we can contribute 
what we do have. Maybe it's not a lot, but maybe it's just serving in the smallest form that we have. But the Lord can take that and multiply it for his glory throughout the various churches in our community, as he had with this one example with Love, Inc. In verse 11, he goes on to say, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And so Paul has this word content. It refers to being sufficient in oneself. But in reality, that's what the heart of the Greek word means, to be sufficient within yourself. But he wasn't a guy who was saying, I'm self-sufficient. Paul was saying, I'm Christ-sufficient, that I found my sufficiency in Christ. And 2 Corinthians 9.8, he says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So God is able to make these graces abound toward us. God is able to make us sufficient for all things. And Paul's saying that I have learned, I have learned to be content. This word that speaks about the self-sufficiency or Christ-sufficiency, as we would put it in Scripture, that Paul had learned to be content. He said this twice. I have learned, I have learned. In verse 11, it speaks about referring to his conduct in life, whatever state he found himself in. He had learned to be content. And in verse 12, he goes on to say, I've learned how to be abased. It means to be depressed or humbled. I've learned how to abound, to be in excess, a, a superabundance. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned to be full. Like Thursday, I ate my plate of food. I was full. They said time for dessert. I said I'm in. <laughs> and I was still full from, it was after the dessert. It's like, why did I do that? And then... Friday morning, I stepped on the scale, and I said, why did I do that? And by the end of this holiday season, we have two mega potlucks ourselves coming up here. We're all going to be saying, why? Why did we do that? But it means to gorge ourselves, to just eat to excess more than we need, and to be hungry where your stomach's crying out. And I've had my stomach cry out in hunger before, but... In this country that we live in and just the blessings the Lord has given us, I've never had a cry out not to be able to satisfy. And there's those who have had it, and perhaps Paul had those seasons where his stomach was crying out and there was nothing to satisfy the need there. But Paul said, I'd learn to be content. The second I have learned is a different Greek word. It's only found here in the New Testament, and it refers to learning the secret of something, the theological dictionary of the New Testament wrote concerning this Greek word, said that Paul learns the secret of faith. He experiences the power of Christ in the everyday gifts and stresses of daily life. He had experienced God's power. He had learned this secret that in no matter what state we're in, in a super abundance or in great need, that we can learn to be content with the things that the Lord has given us through the strength and through the power of Christ Jesus our Lord. That this contentment, and Paul saying no matter what state he found himself in, that he learned the secret of contentment, and he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10, now godliness with contentment is great gain. 
For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmless lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say the root of all evil. I almost read it that way, and I would have been saying what everybody else says about this verse of Scripture, but that's not what it says. It's the root of all kinds of evil. It can, it can be a root of evil, this love of money becomes this root of evil in our lives, for which some have strayed from the faith for their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Hey, we brought nothing into this world. We can't take anything out. We come in with nothing. And everything the Lord allows us to gain in this life, we're going to leave it for someone else, hopefully our children. But we're not going to take it with us. And so to find contentment in whatever state we're in, then Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This verse is often quoted by the church, has a wide variety of circumstances uh, attached to it, and rightly so. For Paul had declared that he had found contentment when he was abased or when he was in abundance, when he was full or knowing hunger, when he had abundance or in suffering need. And I wonder how well we've learned this valuable lesson of faith. Have we found contentment in all the different circumstances of our lives and, or in only some of the circumstances of our lives? I believe, in my case, I can at least say it this way, that there are times where I know this contentment, and there are other times not too well. But the Lord taught me a valuable lesson from this portion of Scripture. It goes back to when I was probably, I believe, 23 years old. Um, I'd have to get into some records to actually know the exact year, but in my mind, I recall the age of 23. It was a year that our nation was in a recession, not as bad as the recession has been of late, but it was the worst recession we had had up to that point in my life that I could remember. And since that time, now we're in a recession that not only equals that time, but is worse than that time. Back then in the early 80s, I was on unemployment for 10 months. And it was a challenging time in our life. It was a time where Lily, she had to go back to work, uh, I believe at that time part-time, to help kind of with some of the income for our family. Even though we were on unemployment, and I say this again, not bragging, I just want you guys to know the facts, is that even with the limited income, we continue to tithe. As I said, whatever the Lord brings in, we give a tenth back to him. We continue to tithe on the income that we receive. For us, that's not a question. We never even think about that. That's just a given. But it was during this time that God wanted me to learn a lesson. The challenge was... In, tithing on limited resources, we were doing that. The challenge was increasing our tithe during a time of limited resources. It really reminds me a lot of my dad's own story because he began tithing when his income had been reduced because of uh, his change in job, because of his heart condition. But it was a trust in the Lord. But I didn't know that story at that time. God had to teach me the lesson this way during that time. And it was at a church in in Lake County that we were attending at the time, and they had a goal of $25,000 that they wanted to raise 
for missions. In their lobby, they had this thermometer thing with, you know, the red line and 25,000 top cap. And, and every week they would move that line up until they reached their goal. And I remember standing in that lobby one day with a pledge card in my hand because the only way that they would know they'd reach the goal is through the people pledging for the offering. And, and so I was standing in the lobby with a pledge card in my hand and unemployed and thinking, I want to give, but what can I give? How can I give? I don't know, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. Maybe five bucks a week. I, I could maybe not buy a cup of coffee. Now they cost five bucks. Back then they didn't. But, you know, I was thinking maybe we can do that. Maybe five bucks. And suddenly the Lord, it just dawned on me. And, and I, I said, I wrote down, I said, Lord, I'll give you a half a percent of whatever I make. So above the 10th, I said, Lord, I'll give you a half. We'll put it toward missions. And then I told Lily and shared with her what uh, the plan was. But you know, that half a percent was so freeing for me because now it wasn't me making a commitment of a certain amount of money every week. Now it was God. Lord, if you bring an income in, I will tithe and we'll trust in you to let you do whatever with this income. And that was freeing. It was actually a release. Well, it just so happens that year was the best earning year that I had to that point in my life. And that half a percent, if I'm remembering correctly, doubled what I thought I might possibly be able to give. And so God blessed us. At the end of that year, I told Lily, I said, the Lord blessed us. Let's give another half a percent. The following year, I said, Lily, God's been blessing us. Let's do another one percent. The following year, Lily, the Lord's been blessing us. Let's do another 1%. And then we came to the year 1992. We sold what we had. We moved out to California. Our income combined was cut by more than half. We dropped back to a normal tithe. And then we began to receive help from other people because we couldn't afford to live. Our house payment that we had here when we moved to California We were renting, but it was triple the amount of what we were paying for owning our home here. And we could not make it on what we were receiving there. In a sense, this, I know how it is to abound where we had surplus and we're giving. And it was actually fun because we didn't turn all the money over to the church. We gave our commitment to the church and then we kept the extra back. We kept track of that. We knew it was the Lord's. And when the Lord brought a need up to us, we would then be able to share with that need. But then we're on the other side. That was the what I would call an abounding time in our life. And then we came into this period where we're abased and we're humbled and we're living off the limited resources and just trying to survive. And then we would receive from people gifts, sometimes not even expecting it. When the need was great, a check would come in and we're praising God and we're thanking God for it. It was a lesson that the Lord taught me out of this passage of scripture. And really these lines, I know how to be abased and how to abound. But in everywhere, in all things, I have learned to be full and hungry, to abound and to suffer need. I can in all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do this. If Christ is with me, I can do this when things are good. I can do this when things are are tight. If Christ is there with me, I can find contentment in the Lord. And I wonder how often we we learn and know this contentment. And I have to commit to you. 
I waver at times. It's not like I discovered this and that's how it is for the rest of my life. I, through faith, like all of us, it's a journey. And sometimes we find ourselves wavering even on the lessons that we have learned in times past. But there are good lessons that God can give to us. It was a lesson that took over seven years for the Lord to teach me. God is patient with this boy sometimes. To find contentment in in one season of our life doesn't mean we always have it in every season of our life. We need to stay close to Jesus to continually know this type of contentment. Lord, I pray that those who are struggling with these things, that they can learn, that they can find this contentment that Paul discovered, that no matter what circumstance they're in, and Lord, it's a lesson that we all need to know. No matter if we're in abundance or we're abased, uh, we're hungry or full, Lord, that we can find our contentment in you and that we'd be faithful, Lord, to be perhaps the giver or even the receiver at times. But in any of the circumstances of our life, that we can truly know what we have been attempting to memorize all this month, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, and we praise you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.